sorry for being a tad late on this new episode of the Anime Nostalgia Podcast. As always, I am Usamimi. Uh, I'm just now getting caught up with all of this stuff since before my trip to Anime Boston, which was so, 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 so much fun. Uh, I'd never been to Anime Boston before, or, well, I'd never been to Boston in general. Uh, so it was really great to go and uh, visit some very dear friends of mine. Uh, I wasn't there to do, like, any panels or anything, really. I was basically just there to have fun. But I did get to meet a few people from Twitter, which was really cool. And uh, shout out to Tom Asnable and Ash Blitzen, who I randomly met and mentioned my podcast before even knowing that it was my podcast, <laughs> which is pretty amazing. A small world, right? But uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'd love to go to Anime Boston again sometime. You know, hopefully, maybe in the future I will. But for now, I'm trying to focus on getting caught up with everything before I fall too behind. <laughs> so this episode is just a short review episode. If this is your first time hearing one, my review episodes, uh, review being my oh so clever name for an episode where I take an anime that I haven't seen in a really long time, I write down what I remember about it before watching it, then I rewatch it and compare my notes to see if what I remember was correct, if I still feel the same way about it. Uh, you know, since sometimes our opinions on things change when we get older or we haven't seen something for a long time and we end up seeing other stuff afterwards. And, you know, sometimes things aren't always as we remember them and our tastes do tend to change as we get older. So this month... I decided to go with the 1993 OVA of Oh My Goddess, otherwise known as Ah Megami-sama or Ah My Goddess. Uh, but Oh My Goddess is how I've always known the series, so I tend to refer to it as Oh My Goddess. I actually just heard that the Oh My Goddess manga in Japan is finally ending after being in publication for 25 years. This was one of the first manga series that I really got into back in the days of manga being uh, flopped or flipped. I've heard people from my era use both terms. I've always heard it as flopped, but, uh, you know, flipped, flopped. But manga being flopped to read Western style and released in American style comic books, uh, much like your typical monthly comics like Batman, Superman, whatever. And back in the day of the Oh My Goddess comics in that format, I found an ad for the Oh My Goddess anime, which, of course, I then saved up to buy a few months later at my local Suncoast video store. And uh, I was super proud to have that. That was one of the first um, more than one volume series anime I actually ever bought right out of pocket instead of uh, something that I got fan subbed or copied from a friend. I remember finding Oh My Goddess to be a very charming series. The story revolves around the very unlucky sort of everyman named Keiichi, who's a college student who accidentally calls something called the Goddess Hotline while trying to order some takeout. Suddenly, a beautiful woman happens to materialize out of nowhere, claims she's a goddess named Belle Dandy, and offers him a single wish. 
So, of course, like any normal person, you'd think, obviously, this isn't real, this is a joke. And so, he jokingly wishes that Beldandy would stay with him forever. Because, you know, let's face it, when does a beautiful woman just materialize out of nowhere? So, of course, the joke's on him when his wish is granted, and his fellow roommates kick him out for bringing a woman into a men's only dorm. So, Beldandy and Keiichi end up living together, but not alone. Beldandy's two sisters, who, of course, are also goddesses, eventually are thrown into the mix and end up having to live with them as well after getting temporarily kicked out of heaven for their meddling. Erd is the oldest sister and is constantly trying to cook up schemes to get Keiichi and her sister to be more romantic with each other, almost to the point of ridiculousness. While Skold, the younger sister, tries everything she can to keep the two apart. Add on the fact that every rich and or good-looking guy within a 10-mile radius also wants to put the moves on Bill Dandy, and the two don't really seem to have a lot of time to spend together to sort out how they actually feel about each other. In between all of that, I remember Oh My Goddess basically being a twist on a traditional sort of love story. You would think that Beldandi would catch on to the fact that Keiichi adores her simply due to the fact that he wished for her to be with him forever. Neither of them seem to really know what they're doing relationship-wise, giving both of them a sort of teenage awkwardness that was very endearing to me in my own teenage years. The OAV is only five episodes long, but I remember feeling that even in that short amount of time, we got a pretty well-developed story that was animated very well and had a cute, catchy soundtrack. But how will I feel after re-watching the series? Let's see. Well, I was fairly confident with my memory of the basic story of the Oh My Goddess OVA because, for one, I used to read the manga fairly religiously, no pun intended, when Dark Horse first started publishing it, like I mentioned. And two, even though it had been years since I last watched it, I rewatched those tapes of mine dozens of times back when I had them. The first few episodes of the OAV are actually pretty close to the stories from the manga, especially the introductions of all the main characters and the main side characters, if that makes any sense. So I'm remembering the story pretty much as it happened. But I did notice that now that it's been quite some time since I'd read any of the manga or had seen the OVA, that there are some parts of the series that seem a bit rushed, especially when it comes to some of the character development. The writers and director definitely did all that they could to try to fit in as much as humanly possible of the basic story in just five episodes. And while they did a pretty good job, it does sometimes come off that there may be parts of the stories we're not actually getting. And it's true, there is a lot. The story was done in the early 90s, and the manga was still ongoing back then. So obviously they had to come up with a story that felt somewhat complete, but wouldn't mess too much with the original story's canon, and still feel somewhat satisfying. What they came up with was a sweet story about the possibility of Beldandy having to leave Keiichi, and his struggle to prove to Beldandy that even if they were separated, 
and even without her contractual obligation to him to stay with him forever, he still loved her and had developed real feelings for her. And so he worked hard at several part-time jobs throughout the end of the OVA to buy her a ring to show her his real intentions, that he really did actually fall in love with her and that she wasn't just a convenience because she had to stay with him. This was definitely a good idea considering that at the time there really wasn't sort of ending to the series in sight. Uh, the manga, through the most part of it that I read, uh, once you got the basic story down, a lot of the stories that came after that didn't involve introducing new characters were a little episodic. So there wasn't really an end in sight for the story as a whole. And given that there are so many OVAs out there that just sort of stop abruptly with no real ending or make a, a completely ridiculous ending on their own, we are sort of lucky in that respect that they made something that feels like a complete story but is still sort of left open-ended and doesn't step on the manga's toes too much or at least at the time. I will admit I haven't read the manga in a few years so I don't know if there was anything that came later that might make the OVA story impossible now but at the time this was kind of the only way I could have seen them really doing a story like that. So while there are rushed or seemingly missing elements to this OVA, it's kind of understandable as to why those things are rushed and or missing completely. They found a pretty good balance for the story for the limitations they had to work with. So while it's definitely not perfect, it's nowhere near the worst OVA adaptation of something ever made. I have seen and heard many people complain over the years that Belle Dandy as a character is much too perfect and Keiichi is way too bland, but I feel that the OAV just has enough character development that for each of them that even though at times they might come off that way, their relationship with each other is put front and center at the end of the series. You see things like Belle Dandy break down a little bit emotionally, for example, putting a small crack into that perfect housewifey sort of character that we all tend to see her as. But while she may seem a little too perfect at times, she has real human emotions, and the final two episodes really highlight that. And Keiichi's blandness does seem to melt away when we see him work so, so, so hard to get that present for Belle Dandy. His heart and his work ethic really shines through and again makes him a lot more relatable. It is kind of a shame that we don't get that same development for Erd and Skald as well, but I have a feeling that this OVA was made with the intention to appeal to either fans who'd already been exposed to the manga or for people who hadn't read the manga yet to entice them to do so. In that respect, it's good in either instance. It gives you just enough of a taste that if you hadn't read the manga, you might want to see where else the story goes or the other characters in the story that uh, the story might have to offer. In fact, if you watch the OAV's opening, you can see a handful of characters that, have nev that didn't make it into the OVA from the manga, uh, sort of a wink and a nod to the fans who are already familiar with the source material. 
I didn't know until much later that this series, both anime and manga, was originally targeted towards a male audience. I personally think that the series really has things that appeal to both genders, though. The sweet and often touching relationship between Keiichi and Beldandi, the fun side characters, the occasional goofiness, and even when the fanservice-y bits pop up here and there, it isn't all that crazy or over-the-top. Really, they're just there to uh, add some comedic effect to the story. Hell, when I was first getting into the series, more than half of the fans I met were female. I think it helps that there is a fairly large female cast even outside of Beldandi and her sisters, and once you get into the manga, there's even more. It's also nice to see that even though Keiichi is consistently surrounded by a variety of different women, the women aren't always out to get his attention. And when they are, he's strictly more interested in Beldandi than anyone else, period. The only times where we ever see Keiichi waver is in instances where, like, he's been taken over by a love potion or something kind of ridiculous like that. It's very, very important to the story. We constantly see how dedicated Keiichi is to Bell Dandy. So we hardly ever see any times where his dedication ever falters. So it's kind of nice that we don't have to go through the long, arduous task of wondering, oh, which girl will Keiichi choose? From the very beginning, it's very obvious that Bell Dandy and Keiichi are together they are in a relationship, and they really do care about each other. It's just the matter of seeing how their relationship develops with each other. Animation-wise, it looks very good. OVAs back in the day generally had a slightly bigger budget than TV anime did, and had a much more forgiving schedule when it came to animated, so everything looks very slick and polished. The animation style very much does justice to Fujishima's original style, especially from that era. Artists' style tend to change slightly over time. So if you compare the manga style from, I want to say, the early to mid-90s that he was doing, it looks very much like that. If you look at, say, how he draws now, and the newer TV anime that they did for Oh My Goddess, it looks a little bit more like that. But for that time, it looks almost exactly on par with what he was drawing. The backgrounds uh, painted for their temple home, especially in the first couple episodes, are done in like a watercolor style and look very lovely. They're very reminiscent of Fujishima's color artwork from the original manga, uh, to me personally. Uh, originally, I watched this series on Animego's official VHS tapes, like I mentioned previously. This time, I watched the series on the DVDs they released. On a high-def TV now, obviously, uh, there's a sort of aged sort of DVD kind of grainy look to it, uh, since it is a little old. But even in spite of that, it still didn't look too bad. Originally, I saw the series in Japanese, so that's what I rewatched it in. Famous seiyu Kikoku Inoue voiced Belle Dandy. She's really well known for playing uh, the sort of dream girl or motherly characters such as uh, Kasumi from Ranma One Half, Rune Venus, and El Hazard. 
Ina in Gundam 8th MS team, and Thera in St. Tail, along with like a couple hundred more. She's a very prolific voice actress and has done a ton of roles and is still pretty popular to this day. Masami Kikuichi plays Keiichi, although you might have heard him before as Yusaku in Kimagure Orange Road, Tenchi in Tenchi Muyo, and Ino Abav from Gundam ZZ. Yumi Toma, who plays Erd, can also be heard as Anne in Sailor Moon R, Yui Hongo in Fushigi Yugi, and Sally Poe in Gundam Wing. Aya Hisakawa, who is also another pretty big name, voices Skald, and is very well known for her roles as Sailor Mercury in Sailor Moon, Karo-chan in Cardcaptor Sakura, and Yoko in Devil Hunter Yoko. While I wasn't that familiar with the dub, I'd always heard good things about it. Juliet Cesario and Scott Simpson, the English dub voices of Bell Dandy and Keiichi, respectively, aren't just voice actors, but they were also a married couple in real life. So just out of curiosity, I thought, well, maybe I'll rewatch the first episode dubbed just to see how it sounds because I'd never heard it before. And so I turned it on and I started listening to it just thinking I was going to listen to it for a few minutes and see what it sounds like. But before I knew it, I'd watched the whole episode over again. They both surprised me a lot with their performances. While neither of them sound a lot like their Japanese counterparts, obviously, they were both very good at bringing a personality to their characters, and they had a lot of chemistry together, which is really important, especially with that very first episode, because 90% of the very first episode of Oh My Goddess is just Bell Dandy and Keiichi talking to each other and not a whole bunch of other people. Plus, Bell Dandy and Keiichi is a very, very popular couple in uh, the anime and manga world, as uh, I kind of touched on in my episode about favorite anime couples, Beldande and Keiichi are usually somewhere in the top 10 or 20 at the least because they've just been, like I said, the series has been going on for like 25 years. So it has a pretty dedicated fan base and most people really cherish Beldande and Keiichi as a couple. Cesario's Beldande sounds a little bit younger but has a very sweet gentleness to her that is pretty much spot on for the character. And while Simpson's voice is a little goofier than his original incarnation, uh, I think that actually makes him sound a little bit more fun and likable. While the original is great and I really do like it, I thought that playing Keiichi off as just a slightly more goofy character worked. It wasn't too over the top, and it wasn't too out there. It was just enough to make him have a little bit more of a more interesting personality, especially those who think that Keiichi comes off as sort of bland in the beginning. So I think that really helps a lot. So I can definitely see why a lot of people were fans of this dub. I might actually finally get around to watching the whole thing dubbed just to see if the rest of it is as good as that first episode. 
As far as extras on the DVDs go, I really don't remember there being that much. Uh, I think there's promotional trailers for other things that Animego was putting out at the time and the liner notes. Really, I can't think of anything else that uh, stood out in the extras. So basically, the DVDs that are affordable basically are pretty bare bones. So you're honestly just getting them to get the anime itself and not really much in the way of extras, which eh, for its time isn't really out there. Uh, these DVDs came out around the time where when DVDs were coming out, uh, you didn't get a lot of extras. You basically just got the show or the movie, maybe some commercials or trailers, and that was about it. So that's basically what you're getting. You're getting both the dub and the subversion, and maybe some trailers. That's about it. Animego's translation and liner notes that they include in the release, as always, are very informative and extensive. Unfortunately, Animego lost the license to the OVA a few years ago, so, oh my goddess, the OVAs are out of print. But, thankfully, they released two different versions. The first release was on two separate DVDs. The second release was all of it in one DVD set. The first release with the two separate DVDs is still actually very affordable and easily found used online, with both volumes seeming to be around five-ish dollars each on Amazon currently. As far as I know, there isn't a Blu-ray release in Japan of this OVA, as the newer TV series that came out a little more recently seems to be the more preferred version of the series in Japan, as there is more of it and it is more closely related to the manga story-wise. Sadly, there does not seem to be any push for an HD release of this OVA currently, so I don't know if it would ever get picked up by anyone again, or if it would even be re-released ever in Japan on Blu-ray even. At this point, it seems like something that maybe uh, Discotech might consider releasing in the future, possibly, but even then they might not see it as a real necessary release considering that the TV series is out there and a lot more accessible and more fans would probably be interested in that instead. So, was this series as good as I remembered it? Well, maybe not as much as when I first consumed it. Although, to many fans, Beldandi and Keiichi are one of the original and most cherished guy with magical girlfriend duo, younger fans who aren't familiar with the series might roll their eyes at, oh, yet another romantic comedy using the trope of magical girlfriend with regular guy. But the story is still fun, with great characters and really good music, and as I said before, it's a great little introduction to the world of Oh My Goddess. While it's not something that's going to go down in anime history, it's a warm, sweet, short OVA that's sort of like the equivalent of wearing your favorite old sweater. If you have a soft spot for those old Dark Horse Oh My Goddess comics, this will be like coming back to visit an old friend. This was my first Oh My Goddess anime, so it always holds a special place in my heart. I definitely would recommend it on Nostalgia Factor alone, especially if you had seen it in the past and just hadn't watched it in a long time. 
But even if you'd never read the story or seen any Oh My Goddess, it's also a nice thing to pick up to see if you might want to dip your toes into that series. If you like the OVA, then you'd probably like the manga and you'd probably like the TV show. If you don't really like it all that much, then Oh My Goddess might not be for you. If you did enjoy the OVA, the director, Hiroaki Goda, basically directed almost all of the other anime incarnations of Oh My Goddess as well, so the newer anime versions of the story are directed much in the same manner. Surprisingly, he hasn't directed much else. Other than doing a little directing on the Bubblegum Crisis original OVAs, most of his other work has been key animation, storyboarding, and character designs on other series. Nahoko Hasegawa, who oddly enough also worked on the many incarnations of Tenchi Muyo, including the first OAV, the second movie, and the Tenchi Universe TV series, was one of the people who worked on Oh My Goddess's script. So, if you were a fan of Tenchi Muyo or similar shows, the writing is very similar in style to the sort of regular guy slash magical girlfriends slash guy surrounded by many magical girls. So if those are series that appeal to you and you haven't already checked out Oh My Goddess, you would probably find it enjoyable. So I think that wraps it up for this review episode of the Anime Nostalgia Podcast. Uh, next episode will be a much longer guest episode if you're not much for listening to reviews. And as always, your comments and suggestions are always welcome to me. Feel free to leave comments on the blog. Uh, you can message me on Tumblr, animenostalgia.tumblr.com, or even send an email at animenostalgiapodcast at gmail.com. Once again, this has been Usamimi, your host, and thanks for listening. Oh yeah, that's me, a real samurai warrior. <laughs>